Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Okay, everybody. Welcome back to the Your Living Proof Podcast. This is what? Episode... 15. 15. You always ask a woman. They know specific dates and timetables. That's right. Keep us in line. (laughs) Hey, we got a good one today. We're going to talk about an incredible topic, an all-consuming topic, a topic that affects every single household, not only in the country, but the world. But wait, before we do, can I say something? My husband, uh, about blew out his knee this week and scared me to death. And I I believe the story has some relevance to life that I want to share. Okay. We were up in Wyoming. Danny loves to ride his motorcycle and there's plenty of land to do it. So he goes up for a solo ride, comes back down the mountain. And I kind of can just tell by his approach, something happened. (laughs) So I'm bracing myself and he rides up to me. I'm on a four wheeler with my daughter and takes off his helmet and says, I just got thrown off my motorcycle going 45 miles an hour. I think I blew out my knee. Oh yeah. No. Okay. No, it was, how, it, how, how did you get down the mountain? Well, I did <laughs> learn that in order to get off a mountain, it's probably like a horse, at least on a horse, you just have to flop your body. You have to somehow pull yourself up over the saddle and just flop yourself on there and you'll get down. But it, I realized as long as you have your right wrist to be able to throttle, then you could just drag yourself down. So thankfully it wasn't my wrist. Yeah. That's an argument that it was awesome. And I survived. My knee's okay. Um, Grateful that I do squats at the gym, probably held it in place, but um, climbing up that mountain was very technical. It was very steep. Yeah. Lots of loose rocks. I'm still learning. I'm, I'm a rookie rider. Um, I have some friends that are mentoring me in this this realm, this new exciting part of life. But I have to focus so hard that it actually works as therapy to me because my mind com- goes completely blank. Right. I, every 10 feet getting up these steep hills, these big grades are very tough. So climb Which up the mountain. That's why he does it alone because yeah. I, I can't hang. Well, <laughs> I climb up the mountain. I get up there. I'm laser focused the whole way. And I get up to the top and there's this big meadow. And so I'm like, oh, sweet. So I start opening it up and I get into fourth gear and I'm opened up and just riding in this grass pasture. It's beautiful, just surrounded by pine trees everywhere. So I start looking around going, oh, maybe I could see some wildlife, see some, you know, some elk or some deer. And so I start looking to my left and looking to my right. And in the blink of an eye, I must have hit a rut where my tire went into something and it just threw me. And when I finally came to and realized, you know, I did the body check. I started looking everywhere and feeling everywhere and making sure I wasn't broken into a million pieces. I looked back at where I wrecked at and I was like, what? In the-? It was like <laughs> nothing. But I guess the parallel to life is what, you know, I, I took my focus off for just one second. Yeah. I'm like, you were hyper focused for a majority of the ride. And then when you were like, oh, I made it, I'm just going to kind of relax now. Yep. You threw your body, you know, 30 feet came crashing down. Yeah. It's awesome. Those moments happen. I looked around and I'm like, nobody saw that. Nobody saw that but me. <laughs> I, I wish mean, that I could have seen it though, honestly. Literally the dust settled. Okay. The dust settled and I just looked there and I was just grateful to be okay. I knew my knee was swollen swollen up, but thankfully structurally it's all good. Yeah, he's good. He's back doing squats at the gym, guys. So that's that's personal news. <laughs> on 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 a bigger scale, uh 
you know, when, when you're listening to this episode, maybe you've already heard or you haven't, but there was a big settlement, right? A big civil state settlement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Is it cool if I share that? Yeah, I think you should. And when I say big, it was, it was big, right? Cause the this number is big pharma, right? Yeah. Well, big pharma, but there was a $26 billion settlement. That's a big word to me, at least. Um, I don't know. In today's day and age, we're doing these relief bills that are in the trillions and stuff. We've, we've surpassed playing Monopoly, it seems like. But now we're talking about big numbers, right? Billions and trillions. Well, $26 billion is big news. This was a settlement for specific states, right? They haven't even listed them, but it was for some states, right? An accumulation of a couple states received a settlement of $26 billion from the big pharma companies. And what it was, was it was to resolve the opioid crisis lawsuits and a multitude of other things. I mean, this has to do with budget deficits in so many states due to the increase in, in, in homeless people, mm-hmm. addicted babies in the hospital, opioid addicted babies at birth. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But what's interesting is you get to the third paragraph and you know, you always have to click a button on your phone or your tablet that says read more. Before you even get to the read more section that most people don't, it already starts talking about how different state representatives have been acknowledged and already informed that they can't use this to fill potholes or to build libraries or to balance budgets. It's unbelievable. I don't even want to get into it because I'll start using profanity and I know my mom listens to this show once in a while. So (laughs) there was a Band-Aid put out there, right? So here is the moral of the story to break it down. I'm a simple man with a simple mind and a simple vocabulary married to a very complex woman. (laughs) There was a Band-Aid put out there because there was a wound. There was a problem that was exposed that was so big, right? They had to do something. Because the bullshit side of this, mom, I love you, but it's the only appropriate word. The bullshit side of all of this is that is a drop in the bucket for the millions of lives that were ruined, marriages destroyed, children born that are addicted, the lives that are irreversibly damaged. Right, right. And I just, I love, I kind of want to follow the money, right? Once it's actually um, given to these states. Like, Let's see where it goes. Where is it going? Like, what is actually being done? It's one thing to say, you know, we're giving you money, but what are you going to do with it? And how is it actually going to help these people that have been popping pills for, you know, a decade? And, and, here, and here's the part too, just to really shed truth to this. We're talking about one specific thing, opioids. We're not talking about benzodiazepines, alcohol, crystal meth, other synthetic drugs. We are talking about one drug that has now become such a problem and affected so many millions of people that they have to hurry and settle on a $26 billion lawsuit again with just a few states. It's crazy. right? This is the first group of states that came together. This is a minority of the states in our country. So, wow. I mean, that... That's the only way my simple mind sums it up is how incredibly big of a problem this is. Right. That a few states received a settlement of $26 billion because the problem is too exposed now on one drug. Right. Well, what about everything else? To me, it just goes to show that everything is progressive, right? The destructive nature of opioids was so progressive that they agreed to a $26 million, billion dollar lawsuit for a few states. 
individuals suffering from an, addic- an addiction are also always progressive. Right. It is probably one of the most universal truths I've learned now in a few years of doing this full-time, all day long, every day, meeting different people who are suffering from different things. The universal truth is it is progressive. Right. That's why it's, as a a parent, you know, when you're seeing small things going on, it it has to catch your attention with all of your passion, right? Because... Because it's not, it's never going to stay put. Yep. It's always going to move. I, I, I want to share a cool story. I was, I was part of, it's probably been about a year and a half now, part of an opioid epidemic symposium. It was in Salt Lake City, Utah. Our former Senator Orrin Hatch is awesome. He's passionate about this. He actually listens to a lot of individual stories and people, and he sees the raw effects that addiction has had on communities. He's gone to D.C. and really battled for a lot of things. Well, he created this symposium where... All these people came together, right? I was fortunate enough to know somebody who was friends with him, so I got to go and just sit there like a fly on the wall. And there was an individual there, an individual who's had an an impact on my life personally, who's the director of one of the most prestigious treatment centers here in the state of Utah. This individual was able to share his opinion, and he did it pretty quickly, but the way he shared it was so eye-opening for everyone in the room. Right. There were people in the room that were talking about safe needle exchange programs or different, just little different snippets that could maybe influence something. Sure. Talking about the homeless platform and how to find shelter and homes for people. And he stood up and he says, you know what, guys, I've been in the industry for about 30 years at this point. He's had more experience than anybody in the state where I live here in Utah. And he said, you know what? Our treatment center is the same as any other treatment center. It's a burning building. And everyone in the room is kind of like, what the? The building is on fire and people are so desperate. They are leaping out windows. Yep. Most of them are going to fall to their death. If we're lucky, we're going to catch one or two of them. And everyone else in the room is trying to give their report and to be appropriate and to kind of receive praise for all of their efforts in their report. The room went silent and everyone's just sitting there listening going, well, well that, that was, that's depressing. Yeah. What well, so? But it's true. What he was trying to say is, yep, we're here. We're trying, we're doing everything we can to combat this terrible problem, but the building's on fire and we're going to catch a few of you. The rest of you are going to splat on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right then he said, So someone asked him actually, and they said, well, what do you recommend we do? And he said, the only chance we have at making a dent in this problem is the prevention side. Right. So how that correlates to what we were saying, everything with addiction is progressive. If you want to have a chance to change the narrative, your best chance is to do it sooner than later. Right. Don't wait till the very end. I have two stories from people that I worked with just this week that kind of confirm that. Yeah, amen. And to everyone out you there who do. prefers to hear my wife's voice than mine, I'm sorry. We'll try to change that here, but <laughs> I am one a, of those people. Oh, no, this is good. I recently met an incredible family, and I'm not going to give any details. Their son was very similar to me. His life growing up was not that of a criminal. <laughs> it involved being active in scouts, active in his church, active in his community, active in sports, an incredible human being who accomplished so many things. Something occurred 
opioids were introduced to his life. And in a three-year period, he went from being a young man who probably started abusing pain pills like I did at first, who is now sitting over on the East Coast in a jail cell. He's been there since December and is facing some serious time. Serious, serious time. Now, what led to that's irrelevant, but it is something that every person in his shoes, including myself, did at some point, right? You start, you, you have you have an addiction you, that you have to sustain. Right. Right. And you start doing things in order to sustain it. Sustain it. it. It's, it's expensive. Right? It's, it's very expensive. So every single person who's developed a dependency on substances starts doing things. Whether you're lying to your doctor, forging something going online and getting things from places that are appropriate. Those are little things that people do that think, oh, that's no big deal. I'm not breaking the law. Anyway, I was able to speak with this individual. There's an app now when people are incarcerated. And to hear the utter fear, the pain and the agony in his voice for the situation, it, 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 it was mind-boggling to me. I, I have these conversations on a daily basis, but this one broke my heart. And... It just goes to show how one thing led to the next that led to the next. And it's, it's a progressive illness mm-hmm. that always gets ugly. Mm-hmm. Another family I'd been working with for a while now finally had the fortitude, came together as a family, and they presented their loved one with an opportunity to change a roadmap. They had sought out all these incredible places to go, different resources to do. They had compiled a list as a family of, we're going to do this, 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 and this to help you. However, with that said, we are no longer going to allow this behavior. That was with your help that they did that. Yes, a lot of help. Well, they did it. And as soon as he found it, things got ugly. He got very, very upset, very upset, which happens most of the time. He was just blown away that, oh, my gosh, everybody knows now. Dang it. Because he thought he was fooling everyone. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) I I don't want to get into that. But, yes, he did. Yeah. Um, well, when it was presented and all of a sudden he felt that things were different now, he felt that shift. It got ugly pretty quick. Well, this poor family, if you if you backed up just a couple, a year or two ago, nothing was to this point. There were signs and indications of problems, right? Things were discovered and things were found. Behaviors were changing. Lies were being told. Things were being discovered. But the ugly carnage had not yet surfaced, right? Right. Well, it did. And when you're speaking to a wife or a mother and their son, their husband threatens to take his life, which happens very a majority of the time, a majority of the time, it's it's the go to threat who leaves and then you cannot find them. To hear their voices, right? They know what's going on. They're aware of the situation, but just that pain and agony, it, it, it hits home. Yeah. And I had that experience with them. Well, the next day, the police are involved. They finally found this person, thought that they were unconscious and unresponsive, but really just passed out. When they come to, there's still anger. There's still denial. There's still resistance to get help. What I'm saying is every single time, Someone with an addiction starts to show shines, show signs is when you better start doing something. Right. Because when it gets to the end, it's ugly. So, 
Well, and I, I just, I have to say, as somebody who was observing this whole process, it, it is gut wrenching, and I don't know any other individual that goes to the depths that Danny does with these families and these, these people. He feels it, and I actually believe that's that's why he has to go up in the mountains and 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 do, you know, these these rides that are super intense because. He 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 is um, feeling the weight of that situation because he knows his mom was right there and and it was just part of his journey and so it's a it's a really powerful it, it's just it's just a really powerful thing to it witness is. it is and you need help you, there's you, no one that's going to be able to get through that experience without help you've been stuck for a long time you've been desperate you've tried everything. You need to seek help. My goal is just helping people get to a starting point. Right. We're going to collect all of this data, this nasty carnage. And then what we're going to do is just point you in the right direction and start the process. Right. And walk with you every step Let's gain some courage. Let's gain some understanding of what's going on. And let's move in a different direction. That's all we're doing here. So today, are you ready? I'm ready. That's my little beatbox drum roll. Porn. I changed my voice. Did you hear that? Everything shifted. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about porn. I no can't one deny likes it anymore. to talk about it. I'm, I am not the most qualified person to be addressing this topic. I'm not the most qualified person for just about anything. However, I am someone who is willing to talk about this. Just this week, I met with three different individuals. Now, that's just this week. What are we, three days into the week? Reached out, and here's the, here's the ironic part. All three of them who reached out are the ones with problems themselves, right. right? Yeah. Not their spouse. It's not their mom. They've reached out because they've already identified they have a problem. What's the problem? I'm addicted to pornography. Boom. Nobody wants to say that. Who's Nobody guilty, wants to right? Hear it. Who's guilty? Who's guilty of the word? I mean, people don't even like saying the word. I actually think we should change the word too. Like pornography, like you're addicted to sex. That's another word. A lot of moms, it's a generational thing, aren't going to want to talk about. So who's guilty of this? Well, everyone, the young, old, boys, girls, men and women, I've in my personal experience, again, I'm not saying this from any clinical standpoint, any man interested in female has a problem with pornography. Now, what does that mean, has a problem with pornography? Does that mean they're sitting in the room masturbating every night? No. Anytime they turn their phone on, however, right, whether you want to or not, whether you are looking for protein supplements and the model that's holding the protein bottle happens to be absolutely stunning, you're drawn to it. So when I say you have a problem with it, you could be seriously threatened by it, tempted by it. It's all around you. It's like that stupid fly at a picnic that won't leave you alone. It's always there. Can't get rid of it. However, most people have had an issue with it at times where they've indulged in it, participated in it, viewed it more than they should have. Whatever it is. Everyone. Yeah. Women included. Women included. I will say on average, it is not gender specific, but 
those who develop a problem where now it's threatening the livelihood of their marriage and their family and their role as a parent is is typically more more heavy on the male side. More heavy on sure. the male side. But as as time has gone on and and smartphones have become accessible for younger and younger kids, it, we're, it, it's obviously going down in age and with gender, it's affecting a lot more girls. And with the kids, when I just talked about men, you know, who are interested in women in that natural pull, right? Anytime a fine woman walks by you, you are going to acknowledge it, right? Someone very special in my life once said, hey, if that beautiful woman, woman walks by, I know you're going to look probably should look. However, if you start staring and looking two and three times, that's where you you're going to get punched in the face. Yeah, you're punched in the face. So let's back up. There's a draw, right? There's a natural instinct as a human being that pulls you toward that. When you're kids though, you just mentioned kids. Yeah. That's not the case. Right. The case with a kid is what the hell is that? Yeah. If a fight breaks out in a park or at a carnival or wherever you're at, Everyone wants to look. If you're at yeah. a ball game, I, I was at a ball game this year actually, and the game was really intense. And then a fight broke out between two drunk people. Even in the most intense part of the game, everyone directed their attention. There's like 20,000 people yeah. staring yeah. at the fight, right? Because it's appealing. Well, the same thing for pornography with kids. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. I have recently discovered working with a few different families, speaking with the, their loved ones, that a school nearby where we live that would never be perceived to have a problem has porn tables or porn sections. Right. D different congregations yeah. of it, middle school. If you're interested in soft porn, consensual porn, people having sex, there's an area where they go. There's a table that offers right. that where they come together, a group of people and they're looking. Then there's a table where there's like the, this next step up. And these, Keep in mind, what are we talking about? Middle school age. This is early teens. We're okay. talking 13, 14 years old. They know there's also a table where there's people who are looking at more intense things like gang rapes or orgies. And they're aware of the terminology to understand the difference, right? right. They, they might not even understand the complexity of sex and all the else that's involved, but they're being introduced to this. Okay. This is. This is real. If if you've now turned this episode off, you also need to wake up. Then I found out that it's not in the cafeteria where they have the tables, but outside there's a tree. There's a section of trees where people can go to watch hardcore porn. Abuse. That is a problem. When I was in high school, did people have interest in looking at things? Yes. Did I know I don't know how long ago this was, 25 years ago. Did I know that I could go to a guy's locker and if we were all quick enough and sly enough, we could take a peek at this Playboy magazine? Of course. Things are progressive, ladies and gentlemen. It's no longer like let's huddle around a locker and hurry and look at one picture in the magazine of a Playboy. Now you get to select what kind of group you want. At a young age, do I want to watch the crazy abuse or do I want to watch more of the consensual stuff? What appeals to me? That's a problem. It is. So here's the big question, and I want to propose something. When you're listening to this, just think about this yourself. Do you consider pornography an addiction? 
a real addiction. Do do you put it in the same category as an addiction to alcohol or other substances? What's your personal opinion on that? I want you to really think about that. In the last year, I've had a chance to meet with, tour, get to know several different treatment facilities throughout the state and surrounding states. I've been in several situations where sitting there talking to someone, one of the questions on my list, when I talk to clinical directors or whoever else is in charge of this, this facility, facility yeah. it's a question I ask. I'm just curious to see what their response is. Do you guys consider pornography as an addiction? And how many of them said, yes, they do? Some. Some. So some of them did admit they've, they've, they've come to see that there's a lot of the sim- same similarities and behaviors. However, let me get real with you right now. For example, in the state where I live, let's say out of 50 treatment centers that are established to help people with addictions to alcohol or different substances, two that I know of at the moment, two are able to admit people for pornography or sex addiction. Now, here's the kicker. (laughs) If you have an addiction to alcohol or cocaine, but and pornography is, or sex, is a cross addiction, a secondary addiction, then you can wiggle your way through. So if you don't understand what that means, the way these the laws are written and these businesses are established, first of all, in order for insurance coverage to help, right? If you're a family who pays for health insurance, and thankfully, I mean, we have come a long way, insurance companies, because when I went to treatment 14 and a half years ago, there was no insurance help for right for it was men. straight up out of pocket but now now we've woken up a little bit and and there are insurance companies most treatment that, centers work with different insurance companies that offer something right right 50 percent co-insurance but you 100%. can't say i need help for uh my porn slash sex addiction they you will have not to say i'm an alcoholic yep. also i'm addicted to sex yep then you get in so i've even been part of situations where someone okay let's say they had a pornography addiction a sex addiction and they also were like abusing their sleeping medication or maybe Adderall or something else. We had to focus on that, right? Right. We had to focus on that being the problem so that we could get them some help. It is absolutely absurd to me. I am desperate to try to do something about it. There are church established groups, support groups, still very minimal help, right? Outside of that, the resources are few. There are a few qualified individuals in any state that you go who are licensed therapists that are experts in pornography. They are one person, right? Mm-hmm. We have a problem that's affecting millions, millions of people. And then every once in a while, you get someone who's willing to say, okay, I'm going to address this. Yeah, I have some experience with this. I have the expertise to help. Holy cow, we need millions of them. Yeah. There's not enough resources out there. The simple fact that you cannot check into most treatment centers that address addiction when that is your addiction mm-hmm. shows that we have a serious problem. Well, and I think I think more than anything, what what we're getting out at here is the fact that it is ruining lives as much as somebody that is putting a needle in their arm. Oh my gosh! Thank you for saying that. It has the exact same devastating effects on families on relationships on communities it's exactly the same there there is literally no difference 
you could you you couldn't spot it right you know know what and here's the thing no one wants to hear it's progressive oh yeah we've now come to a point in society that if you're if your husband or your son or whatever has an addiction to pornography you know as long as it's not that really bad stuff it's now okay let's work through this right it's tolerated it's progressive Yes. Every single time someone has an addiction to pornography, even if it's the lighthearted stuff that isn't so bad nowadays. It's consensual. It's fine. Will lead to underage. Right. Viewing of pornography while pleasing yourself. It will progress to acting upon it. Right. Every that, that's single That's the only time. direction it's it only can time. go in if it's not if it's not countered by anything else. But you brought up a good point and I want to share this. This is just again from my little tiny, tiny reach in the world. I worked not long ago with a family whose son had a pornography addiction. Here is one example to draw light. I love sharing examples because it kind of resonates with people. No, and this is this is huge and that's it's exactly to my point. The way it was addressed at one point is at a certain time of night, the, the person's phone was taken away. Okay, so the, the father had taken the phone and actually, because the, the son had gone and stole the phone back a few times, the dad decided to lock the phone in. He had a console in his car. It must have been a really nice car because you could lock it, the console. Yeah. And here is the drum roll. Ready? The son, in the middle of the night, couldn't get his dad's car open, couldn't find the keys, didn't want to wake his dad up, put his elbow through the car window. Broke the window, broke the, the center console open, got his phone so he could masturbate. If that's not an addiction, I don't know what is. That's the same stuff you hear when you hear like a, a crystal meth addict or a heroin addict or a cocaine junkie is going to break in your house and steal your wallet so they can get high. It's exactly the same. Two of the individuals I met with this week who are desperate to do something about this problem in their life are on the verge or have been threatened to lose their marriage. Mm-hmm. The problems become so bad that their their spouse has said, if we don't do something about this, I'm out. One of them has two young children. One of them just had a child. Even with that threat, even with that threat in front of them, it is still something they're not able to do with willpower. Right. That's a fact. And that's why it's devastating to destroying lives that's why everyone should care and it's actually why even though it's not uh glamorous in any way it is why we are i love what you said earlier willing to talk about this because someone has to and if it's going to be us we're going to do it i want to go through a few of these points i put down because i forget them um the debate is real when you say the debate is real there are a lot of people even in the mental health world that are changing and saving lives who debate whether or not this is a problem. Right. Is it really an addiction? So many people still feel like it is a form of entertainment. It is not. Or it's just kind of something, you know, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe just go tell the bishop you did this. Or no, but if you do, whatever, it's, it's still fine. not. It's still not. It, it's it, not a big deal. It's not looked at the same as these other things. No. Okay. So the debate is real. The resources are few. Very few. The stigma is undescribable. Yeah, I, I was going to say it's it's the it's the worst. The stigma behind this, if you're, it's easier nowadays for a mom to come out and be like, oh my gosh, my son's a heroin addict. 
My son's hooked on fentanyl, just like all these other millions of people in the world. But to come out and say, my son is addicted to sex and pornography. Oh boy. Yeah. The stigma is real. There's young kids. We talked about that learning in school. The secrecy is suffocating. What does that mean? Even if you're shooting heroin, you might have a junkie friend, like a, a buddy that you shoot up with, right? Yeah. Or there might be a place where you go and you shoot up, right? Yep. These are crack houses you can go to and people just doing terrible things. When it comes to self-pleasing, which is called masturbating. Which people hate to hear. While viewing pornography. That's not something you call your homie and you go do together. You're like, yo, let's go up in the mountains and get high. You do it all by yourself. Mm -hmm. So it is the ultimate. It is the ultimate isolating experience. The ultimate isolation. That's it. Every single addiction with drugs or alcohol is also isolating. Yeah. It's progressive. And the more it progresses, the more isolated isolated. you become. But this is instantly isolating. It is the first time you do it, you are isolated. You're isolated. It is, it is very dangerous. It's progressive like any other drug and it's destroying more families than any other drug. So what do we do? I know that that's what some people are asking. I don't have all the answers now. We're actually working on a few things and we're trying to put together some resources currently where we can throw a a net out, a blanket and, and help as many people as possible. Yes. But I'll tell you right now, the number one way that you can start with something is by acknowledging it and talking about it. The best chance you have at not having sex and pornography destroy your family, destroy your marriage is to talk about it the very first time you acknowledge something. Yep. It is our secrets that keep us sick. Now, does that mean by talking about it, it's going to go away? No, but it means it's exposed. It's known about, and we're going to start working at it now before it gets to a progressive point where it's irreversible. Right. We're going to start talking about it now when it is a problem before you act on it. Right. Before you start doing things that can get you locked up in prison for a very long time. Before you your wife leaves you or be before your entire family gets destroyed. You have to wake up. You have to open your eyes. If you're a parent out there listening that does not have a loved one addicted, your spouse is not addicted, well, at least that you don't know of, you're probably wondering, what can I do for my young children growing up so this doesn't happen in our home? You better start creating an environment, a safe place, a dialogue, an atmosphere in which your family can talk about these things. If they don't have the ability to talk with you and your spouse in your home, your safe place, you better hang on for dear life. Right. And I I honestly, I think the most, one of the most comforting things to me is to know that my, my kids, even as young as they are, they feel comfortable saying things like that to us when they get off the bus and run and say, Oh my gosh, somebody just taught me this on the bus and I hate it. Like I know what it means and I hate it. Like, I, cool. You just said it out loud. You don't have to hold on to it. And that, that right there, it might not be a big deal right now, but in five years, that will be a huge deal. That will, t- that will keep us from traveling down a dark, dark road. Yep. I have loved ones. I have friends. I have people I've worked with who are all in recovery. A lot of them from sex and pornography. A lot of them from other different drugs and alcohol. The ones that are successful at this, have they had problems? 
Have they failed? Have they stumbled? Have they slipped up? 100%. But every one of them has learned to be transparent and honest. So when they do make a mistake, that mistake stays at one. Yep. Then they might go for six months or a year and then, oh my gosh, whatever that progression is, right? they were transparent and they were honest. None of us want to look at our spouse, our best friend, anyone in our family, our parents and be like, oh my gosh, I looked at porn last night and jerked off. Yeah. It just can't be said. Oh my gosh. I I'm, I'm shooting heroin. If you have created in your home and if it's, if, if you're showing up to the ball game late, great. doesn't matter. Start creating an an environment where people can talk about this. So when it's now comfortable to talk about it, then the second step is having the courage to do something. Okay. Yeah. To reach out to someone and uh uh-oh, someone is going to know about your family secret now. Oh boy. You're going to have to overcome that fear. Yep. Okay. So when a family first gets the courage to reach out, the safe, the first safe, safe step is reaching out like to your, your priest or your pastor or your bishop. Go, yeah, go talk to the bishop. Go tell him. Go tell him. Or maybe there's a counselor at school now. A lot of places have like a designated. Sure. sure. These are the, these people are the salt of the earth. The greatest people ever. They're, yeah. they're donating all of their time and energy for free. Yeah. Really, they're serving. Serving people who are coming at them with a myriad of problems. That should never be your first step. If it is your first step, then in conjunction with that, you should reach out to someone else. Amen. You need a truth-telling person that's going to give you raw answers, not someone who is in a position where they are limited to what they can say and not say, that they are limited to stay in the confines of what is acceptable with that organization, right? They may want to tell you the truth. They may want to tell you certain things, but they have to play it safe. Yeah, but also they're not... They have a very different skill set that is meant to help you in a very different way. Yep. So it will be useful at some point, but so the, you, it can't be the only outreach. So it who, cannot. who is that, right? You're saying, well, who else do I reach out to when it comes to porn or sex addiction specifically? Find someone else. If you find someone else, whether it's on social media and a group of friends, you know, or overhearing it at the gym or someone like myself, reach out to someone that you can confide in and trust to just reveal this this secret. Yeah, I'm. This is something heavy I'm carrying, and I can't carry it anymore. And I what need do I do? to say it. Have you struggled with this before? Yep. Have you? How have you dealt with this? So, for someone that has an addiction to pornography or sex, and saying, "Okay, well, with what limited resources we have, here's an example. Over here in this city, there's this guy. He's a he's a licensed therapist who specializes in sex and pornography addiction. He runs a group." So two times a week, you go and meet with this men's group. You're in a group setting where you guys are going to process through this together. Mm-hmm. Then he works with you individually. Now, cool. You just explained a resource, an option for them to go. But how many of them are just going to go? Right. It's terrifying. Yeah. Showing up to a room being like, I look at porn and I masturbate is the most humiliating thing. So the first step is reaching out to someone Who's going to give you that courage? Yep. Someone who said, I've had the same problem. Here is what I did to work through that. I know it sucks. I know it's going to be hard. I'm going to walk through this process with you. I'm right here. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is just some very beginning basic steps to move forward. I wish we could go into depth and maybe this is a topic we should talk about more. I'd love feedback on this episode because I think it's something that we want to continue talking about. And, and again, if you know somebody who's struggling with something like this, send them this episode because 
we are doing something about it. We are willing to be the ones to, to talk about this and to help those in our community and those within our reach to overcome this, to address it, to, you to can, do something different. But truthfully, it is our secrets that keep us sick. We want to help people with direction. We want to be a resource. And there are others out there as well. But you have to reach out. You have to be willing to step forward and ask someone for help. That is the only way that this process will start. I promise you that. Living proof of that. We're grateful you guys joined us today, Thanks, right? Thanks, guys. It was a big topic, a big episode. But that's how life is these days. You better get going. Or you're going to get right. ran right over. We love you and we appreciate your support, guys. Thanks for tuning in.